My recommendation is number one, you have to be willing to have that, give the time, right? You have to be willing to sacrifice that time. You have to be willing to give the time so much so that even if things don't work out, you cannot help let it pull you down and, you know, sink because so many things are not going to work out. So you have to have that flexibility and ability to withstand the times that aren't great. I'll never forget that day when I asked myself the question, is this it? Is this all there is to strive for in life? That day, I set out on a journey to find more. Now, I am sitting down with the most fulfilled to teach us the tools and tips they use to get there so we can do it faster. Think different, earn different, live fulfilled. This is Contrarian Cashflow. Welcome back, Contrarian Cashflow. Today, I've got Esther Rises Lowenbean with me. Esther, what is going on? Great. Thanks for having me on. I am so excited. I know we were talking before, but you know, I'll have to say it again. I mean, I think you're just an inspiration to so many people you know, in so many different ways. So I'm super excited to get this episode off and running. So for those folks that don't know, so Esther is a mother of eight, uh, a non-practicing, but a speech language pathologist, a real estate investor, sponsor, investor, general partner, raised over $30 million. Just the list goes on and on. So I have to stop at some point, but Esther, what are you working on right now? Oh, thanks. Thanks for that intro. Right now I am working on everything still. Realtor, investor, capital raiser slash investment manager. And my latest project is starting a fund for commercial real estate investing. So I'm actively working on that right now. You just got to keep rolling it forward, right? You know, you conquer one challenge onto the next. So uh, that, that fund will be exciting. So well, the reason, one of the main reasons I wanted to have you on is I think your journey is just so impressive, right? I mean, you know, you have a master's degree in speech, speech language pathology, and that was something that you did for over a decade of your life. So if we could just kind of start maybe a little bit closer to the beginning of this journey, how did you get where you are today to this, you know, phenomenal real estate career? Yes, I, started, I began as a speech language pathologist. I pursued a degree after seeing my brother work with a the speech therapist, and I was super impressed with that. Uh, started that, went into, got my master's degree, continued and even got my bilingual extension, went back to school for that. Uh, while having kids in between, I think I graduated. I graduated when I was expecting my second and my professor was like, uh, I think I really think you should go for your doctorate. I'm like, are you serious? I was like heavily pregnant. I'm like, I don't know, not a good idea. Anyways, I got into the field. I worked in it. I loved it. It was going great. Everything was going great. I loved working with the children and helping them and seeing progress is super helpful for the next person and satisfying for me. I enjoy that very much. And then I was working with a lot of children. And then as my children were getting to that age, it became very difficult to work with children and then come home to children of the same age. It was super draining for me. I'm sure many parents can relate to that. I give the working of, you know, the moms that work at childcare, I give them so much credit. It's like, it's hard to see children all day long. I want to have energy for my kids when they get home. <laughs> so that was like one major reason I shifted out of it, which I'll explain soon. And then another reason was I wanted to be in that more professional environment. I wanted to learn some finances. And I'll tell you soon that I didn't know anything when I began. So that was exciting to, you know, to be in the know what's out there in the world and just being that more professional sphere of people. And also we moved from Brooklyn, New York to Rockland County, New York. That was a major reason that shifted, that major shift for me where I was, you know, the system of uh, speech language pathology in Brooklyn 
was that every agency got cases in one location or two locations. So I worked in one or two schools and back to back, I had my all my stuff in one place and I'd see clients back to back. It was fairly simple. Moving to Rockland, every agency get got random cases all over. So I'd have to start traveling. So I started traveling and then I'm like, this, this is not going to work. I said, the only way I'm going to go from house to house is sell the homes and not work in them. So I started on the residential end. I actually didn't want to, but my broker told me that I need to start on the residential end. I'm like, it didn't make sense because commercial is quite different. But I'm like, I don't, I didn't mind work, um, learning both aspects of the business. So I got into that and every, everything has its reason, you know, in life that it happens. It happened to be that one client that I sold a home to in turn and became a commercial client. We've transacted six deals together. So, you know, everything happens for a reason and uh, everyone's journey gets them to where they are. So whether it's good or bad, you know, it is what it is. And we always have to see the best in it and see where things led us to next. So that's my motto. Absolutely. Well, that's just tremendous. And I mean, just, you know, like I, like you said, I don't blame you. I'm, you know, that's why I didn't go into childhood education or anything of that sort. You know, being a parent, I mean, I want to be as focused and, and you know, there for my kids when I'm, when I'm around. But yeah. obviously, I can't do that on a day in and day out basis. You know, the weekends are good for me and then yes. uh, invocations. Right. But uh, every day that that's just that's just a lot to ask. Right. I mean, and just I don't have the personality to, you know, they wear my patience sometimes. So <laughs> I need uh, a little bit of a break. So I get that. So, so how did so you obviously you said you weren't sure if you wanted to go into real estate. So how did the idea of even going into real estate? Why not, you know, some other you know, path or why not? You talked about potentially getting your doctorate. So why real estate versus any other decision or, or direction you could have gone? Oh, I actually considered um, getting my law degree, but I'm like, that's another bunch of years of school. Um, and then I couldn't, I couldn't juggle that, you know, with the kids and everything. So truly real estate is a job that you can get into without having much you know, not uh, schooling, right? You can take a 75 hour real estate license course and then you're, you become a realtor. So once you pass, so it's, and on that aspect, it was pretty easy, but also I wanted to be in that more professional environment. I love networking. So commercial real estate is the place to be. I guess it's like who, you know, in the business. So I, I personally enjoy it. I always enjoyed talking to people. So I'm like, why not use it to my advantage kind of, and, and go for it. So that was. I also wanted to know. I wanted to know the information. I wanted to know what's out there. Um, you know, I have an amazing, an amazing husband who treats me like a queen and spoils me to no end. And he would never, he always took care of all the finances. I, I didn't even know what a bill was, like how to pay it. I like, I used to laugh, like the extent of my financial knowledge was swiping the credit card. <laughs> <laughs> so um, he was fine with it. I was fine with it until like he had some health scares and a few of us, whatever. So one day I'm like, okay, I need to, I really need to wake up. I need to wake up. I need to see what's out there. And once you start learning things, you want to, you know, you want to know it all. So there's so much to learn. And I'm like, I, once I committed to real estate, I haven't like watched a movie. Like I am on a roll to learn as much as I can. I want to know it all. I want to know every single aspect. And my journey is pretty incredible. Like I look at it myself and I'm like, I'm proud of myself. I'm like, wow, I got from knowing nothing 
to knowing so much in such a short time, it just shows that when someone's determined, they can, they can do something, they can get it, they can get there. That's so powerful. And I mean, you should be proud. I mean, you know, not that, not that my opinion matters, but I mean, just, you know, the amount of success you've had is just tremendous. And I mean, I just think there's no greater feeling than being proud of yourself and, and having that feeling of, Hey, you know, I saw this road in front of me and I pushed as hard as I could and I was able to get where I want to be. So so what was the transition like? You know, I mean, obviously, you know, when you're dealing with kids and stuff, there's there's quite a bit of negotiation going on, right? You know, getting them to to learn the functions or the different, you know, actions that you need them to go through. But what's the transition going from a speech language pathologist to, you know, a real estate broker? Oh, well, you have to go through something drastic in life to make that change, which was thankful for me. I had a crazy period in my life that wasn't, it wasn't great. It was a really low period. Emotionally, I have a child that was born with some medical issues. And till today, we still have a nurse at home for him. He had a tracheostomy, I had a G-tube. He was in the hospital. He still has a G-tube. He was in the hospital for a very long time. Even when he came home, it was super difficult just taking care of him. Like his life took over my life for that year. Uh, it was just super difficult. And it was hard on the other kids. And it was super draining on me. Um, and then we moved at this, you know, shortly after. Um, and then I had two more kids. So it was, I was just in a really not good place. And I just wasn't feeling good about myself. And I'm like, I, 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 I feel like I have something more in me or I'm destined for something more than what I was doing at the time. Um, speech language pathology is amazing. You're helping children, you know, one child at a time, you're changing their world. Like I had a child that had selective mutism and he started talking with me and it was, it was amazing. So that's like things like that. You can't take for granted, but it, after a while, maybe I also had burnout. So I was like, I need to do something that's going to excite me. Like I want to, I want to be, I want to love what I'm doing. And thankfully I love what I'm doing now. So I'm super thankful for that tough time in my life that, um, that I hit rock bottom that enabled me to only bounce up from there. Well, and, that, and that's so important, right? I mean, obviously, you know, unfortunately life is full of ups and downs, right? You know, it'd be nice if we were always on, on the ups, but then, you know, they wouldn't be as exciting if we were always on the, on the uptick, but just to be able to kind of come out through all that, you know, I've been fortunate not to have a child that had any, you know, serious conditions or anything. And that's just, that's just tough. And just, you know, emotionally, that, that's one thing I respect about the medical profession so much in general is, I mean, just like you said, I mean, when you're dealing with those kids, I mean, you know, their lives are kind of in your hands to some extent, right? I mean, if they can't speak properly and stuff, I mean, that's going to impact their ability to, you know, to interact and to communicate and all this stuff. And I mean, that's just so draining emotionally. And, you know, I think that's some, on some of the business stuff, it's kind of nice sometimes because you can kind of pull away. Not that there aren't the emotions in it, but they're just different emotions, right? You know, you're like, I really want this deal to happen. Or, oh man, like that person, I wish they hadn't done that. But like, you know, with a kid, it's their life, right? You know, I mean, most of the stuff in these transactions and these deals we do isn't necessarily life and death or not life, you know, not life changing. Obviously there are some circumstances that are, but I, I just think that that's so important. So another point on that, my son was born with exactly everything I learned so just putting things in full circle here that uh, everything I learned as a speech language pathologist, I practiced on my son. It was breathing, eating, speaking, all those things he needed. I had to teach him how to eat from scratch. Something we learned. I had to teach him how to, you know, how to breathe, how to eat, how to talk. So I always, I feel like nothing you know, happens for no reason. Like it's all there for a reason and everything came like in full circle. And it was, it was really like God, they say God prepares the miracle the cure before the sickness. And I felt like that was exactly what happened in my case. 
I mean, I know, I know it sounds cliche, but I mean, I almost have like goosebumps right now just thinking about that. I mean, it's just, I mean, again, you know, like you said, I mean, I, I'm a strong believer things happen for a reason. I mean, the fact that, you know, you had this, this son and the blessing of him in your life and, you know, you were kind of prepared as best as you could be for that cha- cha- challenging scenario, you know, I mean, it's just, just pretty awesome. So, so commercial real estate, right? Why, why did you want to go into commercial? Why not just stay in residential, sell houses? You know, that's kind of what everyone always thinks about is like, oh, I'm going to be a realtor, real estate agent, and, you know, go sell houses to my friends and family. And, you know, it'll be, an, it'll be fun, you know, running around all the time. So why did you, why did you even think commercial real estate in the first place? Um, because I, I like, I like the more professional environment. I like the numbers. I like, you know, I like um, a very practical matter of fact, like, I don't like being a psychologist and I don't like being a marriage counselor, which you have to be in residential uh, real estate. You have to have so much patience and give up your Sundays as well. I mean, which I do anyway, <laughs> because I have so much work, but I'm saying like, I can choose, you know, I have more flexibility now. Residential is a lot of fun too. It's a lot of fun too. Like I really enjoyed showing the homes and seeing them myself and taking clients around. But there was one client that I showed 50 homes to before he made a decision. And then there was another client that I showed so many homes and then they went off with another realtor, you know? So like you know, those things like, you know, take a, they take a toll, but uh, I do enjoy it. I do, you know, I'll do it here and there, but I definitely um, like the matter of fact with the, on the commercial end. It's, it's a numbers game. Does it make sense or does it not make sense? The end. Yeah, there's a lot less emotion involved. And to your point, the relationships and the networking, as you mentioned, that's one of your passions before, really important, right? If somebody runs off with another real estate agent, I mean, you know, when's the next time they're going to buy a house? Obviously, it's not, it's, you know, it's frustrating to you that it yeah. happens. Whereas if somebody on the commercial side, you know, does something nefarious, I mean, you know, that could potentially, you know, hurt their reputation for doing transactions in the future. So it's kind of like, you know, you've got to got to act a little bit more appropriately or, you know, yeah. with better ethics because there are negative ramifications for doing things wrong. So, so you'd been doing real you know, you'd been doing the residential side, you were selling some houses, making some traction. So, so how did you actually break in to commercial and, you know, start selling commercial assets and, and, you know, kind of the journey that you've come to, to live daily now? Yeah. So it was like one client that, and um, when they asked me for a multifamily property and that turned into six transactions through that one client, that same client actually came to ask me for capital. I knew of anyone with capital and that led me into the whole equity side of the deal. So um, that was pretty much how I, I got, I always wanted to go there. That's kind of like what pushed me there. There were other factors too. There's some drama, you know, with realtors and stuff that I'm like, okay, you know, I'm living in a community. I want to be at peace with all my neighbors. So um, let me go do uh, work elsewhere, like not in my immediate community, whatever, everything's fine. But it's, it was just, it's just like always healthier to remain, you know, a good with your people. So I'm working pretty much nationwide by now. I don't know. I just, it started rolling. It started rolling really, really quickly. Things started happening. Like I talk a lot, people talk. So like things just got out there and, you know, it's, it's pretty amazing also to see now on LinkedIn, which is a really nice environment with a lot of like-minded professional people. And now that people see that, let's say I've, I've sold several industrial buildings, they'll tag me if someone's looking for something. So word gets around pretty quickly and, you know, it's really nice to see how, you know, if you're a happy customer will refer you to the next. Um, so that it got rolling pretty fast. Well, and, and I think just to go back to from before, I think you said that the the client that asked you for the multifamily property, you said that that was a residential client that you had serviced before, right? So it was kind of kind of like you said, you know, things happen for a reason. Yeah. So they came into your 
your ecosystem, your world. And, you know, if, if they hadn't come in, you know, who knows where you may be today. So that's kind of how they were the ones that kind of got you in in the first place. And then, like you said, I think you, you've transacted with them six times since then. Six From that one person, six transactions. Yeah. From both that's, sides. Or, yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. So, <clears throat> so obviously a lot, most people think, you know, when you real estate, you're, you're fairly geographically centric, right? You know, it's like, Hey, you know, you support this city or this town or, you know, at least this, this area, maybe this state. So you just mentioned nationwide. So kind of explain to the audience and everybody out there, you know, when you say nationwide, how are you supporting across the country, you know, on any given day? Yeah. So people ask me all the time, like, why don't you focus on one asset? Why don't you focus on one area? I'm like, which one should I? Like, I consider it more of a connector than, you know, I consider myself a connector. So whether I'm connecting people in one specific area, it doesn't matter if it's here or there. Like, you know, I, I, do I have to travel sometimes? Yes, I'll have to go. But it's, you know, it's a plane right away. It's a car right away. It's just a matter of connecting. I feel like I'm a matchmaker, sort of like people with properties or people with money. So wherever it is and whatever aspect that is, as long as it's in real estate, I'm game. I think that's such an important point. And for some it's funny that you mentioned that because I've been thinking about it so much. And it's, you know, the value of your relationships, right? You know, and how do you... I mean, I guess I hate to, for lack of a better term, but how do you monetize those? Right. But I mean, honestly, it's because you're compressing the time frame. Somebody say, says I have a problem and you're like, Hey, I can introduce you to so-and-so who has a solution to that problem. Right. And you know, it's not unreasonable to expect to get compensated for being able to say, Hey, this is the relationship I have. And it's no different than a broker, right? You know, you have the relationship with the owner and then you turn around and try to find somebody that, that either is the, the, the end buyer or that knows the person that wants to be the end buyer. And I just, I think that's such an important point for people to be aware of is just, you know, you have this tremendous opportunity all around you on a daily basis of the people that are in your life that, that have influence over you and that you have influence over. And, you know, just being able to take advantage of them, like you said, I mean, I think LinkedIn's a tremendous medium to interact with a lot of people, especially like-minded people in, you know, in vast geographic areas. But no, I think that's just, that's just such a tremendous point. So how do you juggle all this stuff, right? I mean, you talked about multifamily, you talked about industrial, you know, I know you've looked at office and retail and, you know, you talked about all over the country. I mean, that's a lot going on at the same time. How do you juggle all these different raising capital, managing transactions? You know, how do you manage all this stuff kind of on a, how does your brain not just explode? So I work around the clock between the kids. It is a lot. That's the truth. I am, everything is also happening so fast. I'm figuring it out as I go. Let's say I started a website to automate things a little bit more. So I have properties, you know, it's listed with the state and what the property is and has an automatic NDA that you sign and it takes you in. So here I was sending out manual NDAs, sometimes 200 a day. Um, And now, yeah, now I'm like, it's more automated. So that's one thing. Um, I hired somebody, my husband hired someone. We hired an underwriter. We have an attorney that's pretty much working for us at this point. We didn't hire him, but I think we pretty much did. Yeah, so we're figuring it out as we go. It is a lot. It's it's a ton of work. I could work, you know, all day long, really. Sometimes I have to just put my phone away and be with my kids. Yesterday, we went swimming for two hours, I put my phone away, and I focus on the kids. I try to be as present as I can wherever I am, but I, I do work a lot. And talk about juggling, let's say I used to host a lot on the weekends, so I do less of that, more for my kids during the weekend, like you said earlier. And I try as best as I can to be as present as I can while being an amazing wife, daughter, sister, friend. So uh, it's it's a lot to juggle. It is community member, etc. 
Yeah, no. I, well, so I guess that's a good kind of segue into the next question. I mean, how do you juggle all this? I mean, you know, a family of eight with a, spe- you know, with a special needs child, you've got your husband, you've got your business, you've got all these different things going on. I mean, what are, what are some recommendations for the audience around time management or, or how do you really find, find a way to kind of, like you said, put the phone down and, and be away from stuff? Cause obviously even just if your phone's down or away, doesn't mean things are stopping from, from happening. Uh, so I have a lot of help at home. So I have, I don't clean my house. Um, I stop looking at the mess that exists. Um, I can't do everything. I've hardly cooked in the last six, seven months, uh, which I love cooking, but um, I have help with that because I can't do it all. Um, so I, you have to delegate, prioritize. It's a lot of that. Um, what matters most? You know, I'll do more Instacart. It's more expensive instead of going to the store. But it's, you know, everything, you, you have to weigh everything. Is it worth my time? to do that. So some things are unexpected today. Like I had to go come for a relative that her sister passed away. So things are not, you know, everything is like you're keep on adjusting as you go, as you go, keep on adjusting your schedule. And sometimes, you know, if my kids have an issue, uh, there goes the whole schedule. I have to re, you know, redo everything. Or even if a client has a specific need, I'll, cancel my schedule, reschedule and, and go. Like we all, we all keep on recalibrating and shifting and pivoting wherever it goes. So, but I also have like my calendars, like minute by minute, like every, everything has to be written down or it doesn't happen. So I'm like, my calendar is like my go-to every 15 minutes. I'm looking to see what's next. What's next. It's the only way. And that's so important. And that's something I could personally do a better job of is just tracking, you know, like you said, I mean, I don't know if I need to get as granular as 15 minute by 15 minute, but, but I mean, to your point, writing it down and really being conscious of it and and reviewing it consistently throughout the day, but two points you really touched on there that I think are so important. And you talked about the value of your time, right? And so I think that's one thing, especially having a family and a business, right? You have to really decide. And you talked about, you know, even just within the business. So you had to give up some profitability for, for hiring somebody you know, having the attorney, your, your husband just hired somebody. And then also, like you said, you know, some of your family discretionary income is going towards, you know, Instacart or, you know, some of these other services. And I think that's just a really important thing to determine for folks out there that are trying to decide, you know, is this the best use of my time? Or, you know, Hey, I don't have time to do this because I've got to do yard work or, or, you know, cooking or whatever. And I think it just comes down to the individual, but I think it's a really important point because, you know, if things like that are distracting you from being present or being, you know, there for your family and your loved ones as often, you know, just think about it. Hey, is that something you can outsource and, you know, kind of take that time back, right? You know, what's, what's the, what's the trade-off both, you know, from a family perspective, but then also from a business perspective. So I, I just think that point is so powerful and obviously just around, you know, being flexible, right? I mean, I think that's probably what makes you so successful exactly. at what you do, yeah is like you said, you know, but family comes first. And that's what I loved what you just said, because you talked about, Hey, you know, had to to assist with a loved one that was going through a tough time emotionally. Right. I mean, that's just what you have to do or, Hey, you know, kid, kid issue comes up or client has a red hot nine one one that you have to deal with. Right. And that's just, that's just life. And that's how things come at you. And I just think that's so, so powerful and important for people to realize is it's not going to be perfect. Yeah. Your, your calendar is, is, you know, <laughs> scheduled out 15 minute blocks, you know, minute by minute, but if you have to flex and pivot, that's just the nature of life. And I think the fact you've put yourself in a position to allow that is so, so important, right? I mean, yeah, nothing's so dire that you can't take care of a family responsibility if you had to. So I just, I just, I love that. Yeah. I had a client that called me. Uh, it was on a Sunday, uh, late afternoon. He's like, we need to go tomorrow to the property. It was in Ohio. 
Uh, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's the next day is Monday and I have an entire schedule. And I had a friend's bar mitzvah that night. So I had to travel for the bar mitzvah. During the bar mitzvah, while I'm there, like an hour and a half away from my house, he's like, tickets confirmed. This is 10 o'clock at night. Tickets are confirmed. 12 o'clock, I get home. I woke up 5 a.m. the next morning to fly to Ohio. I had to reschedule my entire thing. So sometimes, you know, you do that for the client, you do that for the business. It's it's all a matter of being committed and flexible at the same time. Well, and knowing what to sacrifice, right? You know, I mean, obviously that particular scenario was important to you. You felt that client was valuable enough to make that sacrifice for. Yeah. Not every client needs to be that valuable, right? I mean, that was one that you had to make a trade-off or a thought in your mind saying, hey, is this worth the effort? You know, kind of no different than like, hey, yeah, Instacart's a little bit more expensive than going to the store, but if it saves me 45 minutes or an hour, well, you know, that's that's worth quite a bit, obviously, for a mother of eight <laughs> and, and as busy as you are. So one question I'm curious about, so I know I've heard you talk about it before, but what's it like being a woman in commercial real estate? I guess one of the points you had made was, I think you went to a conference or something, and I think there was about 300 people in the room. And I correct me if I'm mistaken, but I believe you said you were the only female amongst that entire you know, group. So what is it like to be a woman in commercial real estate? I was the only female investor in the room. Yeah. There were some spouses there and there were some people organizing the event, but uh, yeah, it was, it was interesting. It was, uh, it's very different. Sometimes it's weird and, you know, awkward. It is what it is, but I kind of like got used to it and kind of use it to my, I guess I stand out more. I don't know. (laughs) So why not? Right. Like it is what it is. I don't, pay attention to it so much because I'm there to like get things done. So I'm not into like, and I always think that people like, you know, minorities and this and that there, instead of like complaining about, we need to get more, you know, just focus on, uh, take advantage of you being different. You stand out. People that are different stand out automatically in your mind. If there is a minority of certain type of people in a certain group, you stand out, use it to your advantage. But um, it is different. There aren't too many women in the industry. It's amazing. I actually write, I wrote an article about women in commercial real estate and I'm actually um, in the middle of writing another one. So it's nice to highlight them. It's nice to see them. And it's nice to have that fellow person to talk to just to bounce off ideas and for support. So there's so many amazing women in the industry, but it's, yeah, it's, it's, it definitely is a ratio disparage over there. Yeah. What's your, what's your recommendation for women that, you know, may either be on the residential side or just, you know, have an aspiration to get in commercial real estate? What, what's kind of a recommendation for them to be able to get in and, and find success? Uh, now that I'm in it, uh, a lot of people see my journey and they're like, wow, we want to do what you're doing. Can you teach us? Can you inspire us? My recommendation is number one, you have to be willing to have that, give the time, right? You have to be willing to sacrifice that time. You have to be willing to give the time so much so that even if things don't work out, you cannot help let it pull you down and, you know, sink because so many things are not going to work out. So you have to have that flexibility and ability to withstand the times that aren't great. So lucky for me, like my husband's providing, I, I'm not the, the main source of income, you know, at the, you know, so I can, I have that luxury of sacrificing my time in order to make money. So that's one thing people really have to take into account. And then the emotional part of it, not everything looks is as dandy as it looks. It's, you know, people are like, wow, you make it look so glamorous and, and smooth. I'm like, I'm, I'm happy I'm doing that, but it's not always, it's not always so easy. You know, when you take a, a closer look at it, there are times that, you know, I could work on deals for months and then they don't come through. So I'm lucky that my husband's a really, um, 
great support for me. You know, at times when such things happen, you know, we, we talk it over and he's like, you know, if it didn't happen, it wasn't meant to be yours. So that's something you have to swallow and then be able to pick yourself up and move on really quickly because the game moves on, the show moves on. No, I love that short-term, yeah, short-term memory loss, right? You know, just if something bad happens, you just got to shake it off and, and kind of both, right? If something good happens, you know, unfortunately something bad can be right around the corner or you get excited because a contract gets signed, but you know, there's so many like check marks you need along the way to kind of reach success, right? It's not, you know, but each of them is like so exciting because you're like, oh, we got the contract, you know, we got it under contract, but it's like it's such a journey even from there. And then even once you, you know, you're at the closing table and you've acquired the asset, you know, <laughs> that it's even more. So, I mean, it's just yeah. like, you've got these little breadcrumbs that you're picking up like as you go along, but there's still so many potholes that you can step in along the way. So I love that take on the flexibility and just, you know, kind of rolling with the punches, you know, however they take you. And also you have to really, really enjoy what you're doing. If you're not, you're going to have a hard time. If you don't enjoy what you're doing, you're going to have a hard time picking yourself up and brushing yourself off and moving on. Couldn't agree with that more. And I mean, I think that it's it's clear that, you know, you just love, love the, love the thrill of the chase, right? You know, closing the deal, getting things done. I mean, obviously it took three levels, <laughs> the levels of success you've had, right? I mean, yeah, you just love, you're a deal junkie, right? Absolutely. So I'm kind of curious. So you said the, the, you know, the depth of your financial knowledge, you know, prior to a lot of this happening was just swiping a credit card. So how did you go from, you know, not knowing much more than being able to swipe a credit card to underwriting, I mean, some of these, you know, financial models are extremely complicated. You know, some of these multi-million dollar properties. I mean, that, that that's quite a uh, that's quite a transition. Yeah. So um, I, I'm learning, learning. You know, I don't stop learning. I listen to whatever I'm driving. If the kids are not in the car because they want their choice of audio, but if they're not in the car, then I'm listening to podcasts all the time. Um, there's so many amazing podcasts out there that you can learn a ton. Now I'm all about funds, funds, because that's my latest. Crazy! I listen to every fun, fun podcast. You have to ask, be able to ask questions. You know, don't be embarrassed to ask. Sometimes it is because you know if you're dealing with someone already, they expect you to know everything. So um, you know, ask where you can and and keep on learning, keep on reading. And there's so much information out there. There's so much you know you need to. There's so much to know as well. So once you hone in on a certain topic, learn everything about that topic. In terms of underwriting, I'm definitely getting much better at it, but I hired someone as well to uh, to underwrite some deals because uh, number one, I can't do everything. And number two, I'm still like, you know, learning it a thousand percent. So um, we hired somebody to underwrite for us. So I don't have that much more time in my day. <laughs> no, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, and it's time consuming, right? I mean, and especially when you're looking at you know, tens, tens of deals or hundreds of deals at a time. So, well, so you mentioned the fund. So I know that's kind of on the tip of a lot of people's tongues right now, as far as, you know, raising for different deals. And obviously in the marketplace, it does make you more competitive to a potential seller as well, right? You know, if you've already got the funds allocated for, instead of having to raise for the funds for a particular asset. So, so what, what's kind of your rationale or why, why are you trying to go down the fund path right now from a, from a capital raising perspective? Um, good question. So I am all about educating people. And as much as I do this, you know, for the money, more, more so I do this because I'm enjoying in the process. Um, I also write for a magazine and I've been start, I'm teaching people all about investing in real estate and the benefits of it. And I want to get more people involved in, in investing in real estate. So my fund, my initial goal of opening a fund was to enable smaller size check investors to invest in syndications where they normally couldn't because the minimum is high. That was my initial uh, you know, desire to open a fund. I'm still not a thousand percent sure how I'm going to go about it. I actually do have a property that I'm going to be raising for. 
as soon as it goes under contract, hopefully. So I'm going to actually start with a deal-specific um, funds just the first time around. I want people to see what they're investing in. Once I do that, you see, I've raised from J- JVs and GPs before. This is my first time raising from LPs. It's a totally different ballgame. So once I have success in, in that one deal, then I'd probably do more of a blind pool um, fund and see where that goes. But, um, you know, I've interviewed many attorneys and there's so much, you know, so many different opinions of what people have to say. So once I kind of like decide who I'm going to work with, I am kind of going to take on their advice because there are so many ways I can go about it. So it's, you know, there's every, there's tons of possibilities, how, how to do it, 506B, how, 506C, are you doing one SPV? Are you doing several in one fund? Um, are you using a members managed LLC or a manager managed LLC? There's just like so much, you know, out there and every attorney says something else. So it's, uh, there's a lot to know and to learn and go through before. Yeah. It's probably great. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah, just a matter of time, I'm sure. Well, I mean, you're already writing the articles, you know, so just extend yeah. them out a little bit or put them all together. <laughs> yes, exactly. Any uh, any particular podcast that you've gotten value out of in regards to researching funds? Bridger Pennington, Investment Fund Secrets. You better give me something for this shout out. <laughs> <laughs> he does have some great content out there. So well, so one thing I'm curious about is from a cash flow stack perspective, you know, so I mean, obviously, you know, that the deals you're pursuing yourself, you know, you're active in, you know, either on the transaction side, you know, so maybe more like a 1099 or, you know, IC independent contractor type deal, your husband, he makes income. Do you guys have any passive investments or any particular assets that you guys control just, you know, within yourself, either from a business or from a passive perspective? Yeah. I mean, we have so much going on. My husband's coming from the business world. So he has import export businesses, some food stuff going on. So we're very diversified. He was always, my husband was always involved in real estate. I wasn't involved at that point. So I don't even know uh, at that point what he was doing because I had no clue or no interest at the time. But now that I got involved, my husband got involved so much more. So since about September, I'd say the last six, seven months, he started like seeing what I'm reading post. He's like, oh, that's so interesting. Or you see that, that deal that you just posted? Why don't you send it to me? We um, started, you know, investing and searching and now he's my biggest client. Uh-huh. That may, that makes it pretty easy. <laughs> that, that's awesome. What's it? I mean, what's what's that like, right? I mean, because obviously, you know, everyone knows, you know, just kind of like you said, right? Spousal relationships, you kind of got to roll with the punches sometimes too, right? Yeah. You know, there's there's ups. Yeah. I mean, of course, there's more ups than downs, but obviously, you know, everyone has different emotions on on different days and stuff. So, what is it like, you know, working with your spouse yeah. through these stressful transactions and these different scenarios? So, uh, we work together here and there, but it's more like me sourcing the deals and then passing them on once. Once they're passed on, I don't deal with the investments because I'm just still doing, you know, being a realtor and being a capital raiser, investment manager. So he deals with the investments once I, once I pass it on, kind of, I present it. And then obviously I, as a realtor, I'm still negotiating back and forth, but then he takes it over. So we're not working much together. I mean, obviously I'm working with him, like I'm working with everyone, but then the deal, you know, he, he takes it off. So very siloed, right? You guys kind of have your lanes, right? So it's not like you're not, you're not really like kind of messing with each other's sides. It's like, Hey, you know, here's the deal, you know, does it work or does it not? Or what do you want me to go back with in regards to sometimes sometimes I have to say like, okay, if you're not looking to that deal right now, I'm going to offer it to somebody else. (laughs) 
<laughs> you better wanna, move. You better move. <laughs> I want to make money on it somehow. If you're not buying it, I'll present it to someone else. Like I don't want to lose the deal. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's giving your giving your husband the hard takeaway. <laughs> yeah. There's your ultimatum. Five o'clock. <laughs> that is awesome. That is awesome. Um well, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Let's wrap up here with the the contrarian three pack. So is there one investment in particular that stands out between yourself or your husband that's been a little bit more contrarian or off the beaten path than uh, you know some of the ones you've done? Well, we're together. We're fairly new into this investing world, although we have a lot on your contract at the moment. Um, yeah, there's deals. Contra- what do you mean by contrarian? That it was something Just different? Like, yeah, different. Something that wasn't necessarily you know kind of mainstream. You know, I guess like if you know maybe like. A single family rental or stock investing or anything like that. Something that's well, just we, a little bit different. Yeah. We actually bought another home for different reasons, but in the meantime, we're going to use it as short-term rental. We're actually building some spec homes. We bought, we just went under contract recently with a property that was a crazy good deal. So we paid cash for it. It was still a large amount that we got. Like it was, it was an amazing deal. So total cash. What else? We have a lot going on. We have so much going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. We just closed absolutely. on something last week. Uh, yeah, just things, a lot of things didn't go through. We were supposed to close on one big warehouse. And the day, like you said earlier, the day of the closing, the bank came back with more questions. And so now we're, we're working with another lender. So yeah, not everything goes super smoothly. Um, like you said, it's not as easy as it looks, right? <laughs> So far, it looks like it's like, oh, look at you're just crushing it. It's you know, every day must yeah. be so easy and fun. <laughs> no, some of the weeks were like depressing, but you know, it's part of the game. It's not, I can't all like you said, it can't always be up. It's like, it's like a roller coaster, you know, up and down. I'm, we've gone through a lot of roller coasters in life, like, and you know, it's not people are like, wow, it looks glamorous, and nobody knows what's going on by the next person. 2008, 2009, we lost everything we had. And now, you know, so now we're also like starting over and we're super careful with our investments. We're very careful now. So everything is like calculated a bunch of times, like any risk because of where we've been. So not everything is like dandy and rainbows and what is it called? Rainbows and unicorns, roses, unicorns. Yes. Um, Yeah. Absolutely. So you talked about going to the pool uh, with the kids over the weekend, you know, just this last weekend, what's your, what's your favorite activity? And you talked about hosting dinner parties, but what is, do you have a favorite activity to do with friends and family outside of when you're working? I've been hanging out less with friends since I began working. What do I like to do? I actually enjoy working, believe it or not. I really enjoy working. I, I don't even know what my hobbies are at this point. Kids, family, life, working. I don't know. I like to travel. So wherever I can, you know, I go. Do you, any, any favorite place? on the that you've been to before oh israel number one israel number one yeah i, have, What's the, I haven't been in a while but it's you know since covid but there's nothing like it yeah i've heard it's absolutely beautiful what's uh what's what's the city of choice what's your favorite city to go to well jerusalem's it's just historic and i have tons of family there so it's amazing for me then there's Herzliya, which is beautiful by the water it's stunning you know dreamy we've stayed there several times i just like the whole place i have family the whole up and down. So for me, it's my second home. That's awesome. That's awesome. And then lastly, you know, what offers you the most fulfillment in life? So really enjoy helping people, whether it's, um, you know, through a real estate deal, it's, you know, money aside, I really enjoy enabling that person to invest or find the buyer or seller or capital that they need. Um, I enjoy educating people about investing. I like to give, we, you know, we're very big on giving back to the community, to people in need, whether it be 
people starting organizations or local schools doing events or they're much there for the community as much as we can. And I really enjoy, I really enjoy giving back where I can and helping out. Well, and that's so cool because it's kind of come full circle, right? You know, from the speech language pathologist to helping the kids and, and now obviously your family as well. And then, you know, now helping investors and, and other folks too. So I, I think it's just powerful. And I just, I appreciate so much you coming on to share your journey. So what's the best way for the audience and folks out there? I know you said you have your new website come up. What's the best way for folks to get in touch with you and check out all you got going on right now? I am. My new website's estherrises.com. I'm still working on it. It's almost perfect. Um, and then you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Esther Rises Lowenbein. On Instagram, is Esty Lowenbein. I'm on Facebook. You can message me on, on, on LinkedIn and I'll give you my phone number if you need. I'm all over. I'm accessible. And I try to answer everyone to the best of my ability. Awesome. Well, I'm so excited to see, you know, as you continue to aspire and, the, and you know, what the future holds for you. I, I think you're just an inspiration to so many people. So I just... Thank you so much for coming on. This has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It was fun. Until next time, live fulfilled. Thank you for listening to Contrarian Cashflow. I would greatly appreciate it if you left an honest review, hit subscribe so you never miss an episode, and share with someone you feel would find value. Until next time, think different, earn different, live fulfilled.